Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a Miracle Made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver-infused fabrics that actually make temperature regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not like getting too hot or too cold or whatever, you know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind. Miracle Made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it like doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But more than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful. And it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made. Come on, well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation at the checkout and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today, you'll get 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation. And Miracle's so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fake the nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. This is a HeadGum Podcast. Fake the Nation, episode 369. Hello, hello. This is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about culture, and where we weigh in on the canon of film. I'm your host, Nagin Farsad. And from time to time, I like to think of myself as a lady who knows something about movies. And so today, we are going to weigh in on Time's official list of 100 best films from the last 10 decades. We'll also ask if landing a man is still part of the discourse for a feminist. And finally, what are the actual reasons that people have abandoned church? Today's panel is, I mean, it's one for the ages, you guys. Uh, we are joined, well, this first panelist, you've heard her on this uh, podcast before. You've loved her on this podcast before. She is creator and host of the Stacks podcast. Her Zoom background indicates nothing but someone who is like a true aficionado of all books, <laughs> literally any and all books. Um, she gave me a fabulous list of beach reads for last summer. I think, or maybe it was Christmas reads. I can't remember. But it was like, I was going to have you know, maybe like four hours of dedicated reading time. And Tracy gave me just this amazing <laughs> list that obviously I have not gotten through because like it was four hours and then six months later I had another four hours. Um, but it is the wonderful Tracy Thomas. Hi, thanks for having me back. Um, so happy to have you back. Uh, we are also joined now for the very first time. We've been chit-chatting because we had some um, time zone issues. And we're, we're today is an episode of, t of just miraculous time zone because this comedian is hailing from the United Kingdom. Maybe you've heard of it. Um, like I said, she's a comedian. She is an author. You can buy her book, I believe, right now or very Toot sweetly, you can buy her book Sex Bomb, which you absolutely should. She is the one and only Sadia Asmat. Hey, Sadia. Hi. It's so lovely to meet you, ladies. Thank you for having me. Um. Oh my God. Uh. And you're talking to us from in the future because you guys are about five hours ahead, and so you'll let us know if anything major has happened globally <laughs> that we need to know about five years, five hours into the future. Um. Before we get into the show, I just want to remind people that if you want to support the show. 
you can go to patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad. Um, we are posting an episode. The next episode is about, the, uh, you get bonus episodes, by the way, if you subscribe. And the next one is about a dude who runs around on all fours. Um, and apparently it makes you ripped. So are we all going to join this craze? We talk about it. We also talk about the phenomenon of like scientifically, like you're not supposed to drink before you're 40. And we, we give you all the reasons why, plus all the uh, feelings reasons why. Um, so these are fun, ridiculous bonus episodes of Fake the Nation. Get yours at patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad. And by the way, um, we're uh, recording this a little earlier than usual. So the topics from the news um, that we maybe cover that happened on a Wednesday or something, like we are not covering those. Um, but don't worry, eventually we'll get to all of it. You're, it's, the, it's, it's the dead of summer. What do you even need to you know know about? Except for these topics, which let's get into it with topic number one. So we read a piece in Glamour magazine from Olivia Foster titled, We Call Ourselves Feminists, but if having a man is still seen as the ultimate goal in life, how far have we really come? Um, and obviously, the title of the piece struck me as something that we should talk about. She describes being single by choice for a period of time, but felt the pressure to conform and settle into a couple. Um, you know, we sort of like talked around this in various topics, but I wanted to get into it Um because there's like something about this piece I felt that felt a little, um, I don't know, maybe straw straw manny or something, which is straw man or straw woman. Uh, <laughs> do, my question is, do you see this kind of pressure in your circles? So basically, I, I hate that a lot of the rhetoric about this seems to be women always like putting pressure on women to be feminists. Mm -hmm. I don't identify as a feminist. And I think if you want a partner, um, like if you want to have a partner, you're, you should be able to kind of have that and it shouldn't take away from who you are. And I think our perception of that being backwards is a bit weird because it's a human instinct slash need. And it might be, you know, just for sex, it might be whatever you need. But I think we always make it harder for women in terms of like being like, we always have to kind of be something extra or we can't just be ourselves without everything being um, caveated or is that the right term? I don't know, but it just feels like um, I don't subscribe to feminism anyway. So maybe that's, that's where I start basically on that. Well, Tracy, what did you think about this? Because the, the national statistics um, office has has actually reported that women not living in a couple or have never been married are rising at every age under 70. So it's like a demographic um, that seems to be increasing. Um, I, I, I don't know. Well, how did the, how did this piece strike you first? And then I'll tell you my odd reticence. First of all, I think that it's like very heteronormative to define feminism through like relationships to men, because first of all, there's plenty of queer people and people who are, you know, feminists who are maybe don't identify as women and stuff. And so I think this idea that feminism is this one thing really hampers this argument across the board because I think it's super limiting. Um, and I think that the word feminism is just really undefined for a lot of people or it's defined too hyper specifically. And so people can decide like, oh, this is a feminist argument. And this is isn't. it right. But there's yes, not an, a, yes, an agreement. Yes. And so you can write this piece without any specificity about what feminism looks like. And that's for me where it sort of gets murky because I'm like, well, what are we talking about here? I mean, I just saw the Barbie movie and allegedly that's a feminist movie. But like, according to whose feminism, you know what I mean? Like for me, I found that movie to be sort of retrograde in a lot of ways. And so I think we, we're talking about this idea of like, quote unquote, feminism, but there's no real working definition at this point that people are agreeing on. And so I think it, it leads to pieces like this that are like, OK, I guess go off. You know, because I think um, the funny thing is I, I was just um, we were on a like sort of a, a little bit. Um, a little day trip um, yesterday and we were in a car and there was this um, this this gay dude driving and a friend of ours and then a, and a woman who was um, you know middle-aged woman who's also single or whatever 
and they were both talking about like wanting a partner and we were like talking about like you know because I, I was like okay let's break it down like I want to see if I can be a matchmaker because that's like my secret goal in life <laughs> and and then but it just it's interesting because it's like he wanted a partner as much as she did but is her wanting one somehow now anti-feminine right like 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 and me wanting to support like it didn't feel like her wanting one felt like any kind of failure on her part, just as it didn't right. seem like him wanting a partner felt like any failure on his part. Like the the yeah. I feel like part of the thing is like a is like it's okay to want a partner and it doesn't make you a feminist or not a feminist. You know what I mean? Right. And I think also like in the in the piece she talks about how like when she wasn't in a relationship, people would ask her a lot about it. And I think that some of that also is just like what we're sensitive to. I have friends who don't have jobs and they get very sensitive when you ask them how the job search right, is going. Right, right. You know? And so I think some of it is just feeling like maybe your friends are being nosy in a way that you don't want them to be, whether it's about a job or if you're trying to buy a house or whatever that thing is. You know, I think there's a lot of like small talk that people have amongst their friends and that sometimes it just feels like why are you attacking me about this? Even right, though, even though it's, it's just not. Like, We're at brunch. Well, it's exactly. How's I it think going? part of it is just this, and this is—is is this born of the patriarchy? Possibly, probably yes. Probably yes. <laughs> but it's like there's that thing of like we're sitting around a table, like everybody wants to gossip about sex and right. dating and you know what I mean crushes and whatever like I it's like it feels like also I mean part of that is yes born of the patriarchy part of that is also I don't know like fun and lovely I, you know what I, mean? I don't know like there's also a world in which it's like I love talking about like someone's uh you know d dating life or whatever not in a way that I think they should get married I just think it's like fun right. um so part of so part of me felt like this article is just a little bit of you know shouting at the wind for being wind or something <laughs> That's not an expression that anyone's ever used or one that makes sense. So here's my other question, Sadia. Weigh in on this. In the piece, she points out that couples are celebrated, you know, for being a couple. There's the wedding. There might be some anniversaries. Um, and that we celebrate coupledom way more than we celebrate other achievements in life. Did you find that to be too true? Um, should we be celebrating other things more so that we're kind of taking the focus off of it? I mean, <laughs> the the longevity of relationships these days is so rare. So I think that it's great we celebrate them because, uh, you know, they don't, there's the life, the livelihood of relationships. Uh, when I was growing up, like my family and my parents and and those that generation, they would just stay together forever. Um, and these Sorry, days, are your like, parents you know, are your parents immigrants? Uh, to the UK, yes. Yeah. Well, not my mom, but my dad. From so, uh, from um, what country was was he from? India. India. Okay, got you. So um, obviously, I was just being silly there, but I think um, <laughs> you know what there is a lot more in terms of like self care. So I think. I don't think that there needs to be this like single people versus married people. There doesn't have to be that like it just it feels like that's where she's going with that. Right, and right. I think if you know if you're single, then you probably are doing a lot of celebrating of yourself every day, <laughs> or you know, like you're, there's a lot of me time. So you know, and couples are busy, and maybe they don't have a lot of time to to you know share their kind of uh, or reflect and stuff. Like because you know, if you have family and kids, and like you get swept up away, so you, it's nice to have these timely reminders. Whereas like when you're single, you have literally all day to think about yourself and where the fuck things went wrong <laughs> <laughs> but this kind of reminds me i don't know if you get to also talk about an episode of a show that that people have written i'm sure multiple multiple uh, phd theses on sex in the city it re you know uh there's there's probably every sort of feminist and anti-feminist argument made about that show. Um, and one of the episodes was about, was Carrie, you guys have seen the show, right? Have you seen yeah, the show? Yeah, of course, okay, of all right, course, all right, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. There's an episode where Carrie, like, gets a, um, she, 
I guess like sends a she has to buy something because of a family celebrating a something. I, I, can't, I don't remember what this was. And she was annoyed that she was just like, I'm single, but I keep having to like buy gifts for these other couples or families or whatever. I mean, they're it's doing definitely more expensive being single if you want to bring money into it. it <laughs> that's that's what, that's no, it I is. remember that episode. That's the whole thing she and was she, talking about. Is like, exactly. And then she, she wants she, to spend her money on Manolo Blahnik. Right. So and so she thing, sends right? them, she sends them like a, you're invited to like, to like, here's my registry for being single. And she got a pair of free shoes out of it, right? Um, or a gift of shoes to celebrate her singledom, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, and it's I, narcissism too much for me. Like <laughs> the, the level of narcissism involved in that, I just couldn't justify I, that. I like new hijabs and stuff. And I know some people like, you know, would love to do that and get people to buy them stuff. In fact, with cash apps and stuff on Venmo, whatever, the people always like on Instagram, putting their details, buy me a coffee, send me 50 bucks and stuff. But I don't know. I don't, I don't know. What do you guys do? Do you do that, Tracy? I just don't. I mean, I could never imagine in a million years sending someone a registry for like, I'm single, but you know, here are the shoes I'd like. I can't in a million (laughs) years. It's weird. It's so weird. I don't know. Tracy, what do you think? No, I would never do that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I want to send you I, money, Tracy. Well, I mean, you, if you want to send me money, fine. But like, I'm not. I'm not gonna be like, hey, I would love a new book. Like, I need one. Um, I think that's a good idea. I think it's like we're okay with money. People often. Why is it that people don't ever want to send money? I had a friend who, like, a guy was like willing to send her like sexy clothes or whatever. But like, we just want money. That's the takeaway yes. from this episode. So did she? Us- did she allow him to send her sexy clothes? I think. I think. Um, anyway, I shouldn't probably talk about it in case she listens to it. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> No identifying no, and I, Who is this person? Well, give me some. I want her address. I want her social security number. <laughs> I, want, yeah. uh, I mean, there's some, you know, I think it's like, you know, it, there's a, it's a sensitive art to it. And I think that if you're like that person who just wants free things from men, that's weird. But if you, if it's like an arrangement where you kind of, I don't know, like if, if there's an understanding, it's a little bit different, but it is it is a difficult thing, and I don't feel comfortable with that. But um, yeah, maybe I've maybe I'm wrong. Well, Sadia, are you you're Muslim? Yes, I am. Okay, I'm I'm also Muslim, so sorry, Tracy, odd man out. Um, she can but... come back. We welcome you, Tracy. <laughs> it's actually really easy. I'm just gonna hang out over here <laughs> and just do your thing. I'm excited to learn, listen, and learn. Oh. As the white book. So, so you said you're not a feminist. Um, where, where do you like? Do you have a? Are you like just not doing labels? Where are you on that kind I mean, of thing? Uh, do you really want to know? I think, I think that you know, if I'm honest, I think whatever team you're on, you should bat for your team. Women are better, right? Like, I'd like to believe that. I, I don't know. I think uh, you know, okay. equality is great. I think equality is difficult to, to really kind of conceptualize and to to sustain as well and equality means different things for different couples different people different situations it can mean that you both contribute but maybe not in the same way uh-huh, and so yeah. i i think my i have loads of issues with feminism for for a start in terms of like the way that it feels forced upon women and it doesn't feel like it's a choice um because it feels like there's also a lot of shaming when it comes to it in terms of sure. living up to it and um who it represents and what you contribute to it versus what you get out of it and like obviously it achieved a lot of good things in the in the beginning but also um it feels as though like its latest wave it just like this whole kind of equal pay doesn't seem to ever get figured out so i'm just not on board with it Fascinating. I feel like we could talk for hours about that, but we cannot because we need to break um, so that we hear from our sponsors. And then also we're going to come back and we're going to talk about something entirely different. This HeadGum Podcast is brought to you by Aura Frames. That is right. Uh, From grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, even the friends of your life, every mom loves an Aura Frame. Holy shit, even aunts? Yes, especially aunts. Oh, wow. Because it was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. I mean, these Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. I believe it. You have an Aura Frame, don't you? Yes, I actually more than believe it. I know it. 
Uh, I've got one for my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law. And dare I say your aunt? And dare you say my aunt and my aunt-in-law. Everyone's got one. Everyone loves them. I mean, Mother's Day is right around the corner, and there's no better gift than a digital photo frame. You give them the frame. It's got preloaded pictures in there, and you know what? You can update it with an app, so every time you take a new picture of a sweet little uh, person or place or thing in your life, it gets automatically sent to that frame. Exactly. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. Holy smokes. Excellent deal. Yeah, that's A-U-R-A Frames.com. You use the code HEADGUM at checkout to save. HEADGUM. Nice. Yes. Headgum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm-hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code HEADGUM at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And we are back and we're ready for topic number two. So we read a piece in The Atlantic that's trying to explain why millions have left the church um, by Jake Meter. And it's true. 40 million Americans have stopped attending church in the past 25 years. That's about 12 percent of the population. It's the largest decline in church participation in history. Um, And I I don't know what the numbers are in the UK, uh, Sadia, but I imagine that there's something similar going on. There seems to be a bit of a global trend in church attendance. Um, And before we get into it, let me ask, did you, did either of you have a relationship with a church or institution um, that and have you left one and did any of this ring true for you do you want to go first Tracy I was just going to say that um, I think the membership to Satanist church is going up I'm joking sorry Tracy <laughs> you're up. you can answer first I I have the weirdest religion I mean not weird I think that what I'm about to say is like very normal uh, or semi-normal I'm mixed so I'm black and white I'm also Jewish my mother is Jewish And we were raised to do the thing that I think a lot of Americans are, which is like Christmas, Easter, but also Hanukkah, Passover. We do a little Yom Kippur here, a little Rosh Hashanah there. I went to Catholic school because I lived in a city that had terrible public schools in Oakland, California. Mm. And so Catholic school was the cheapest private option. So my school was over 50% not Catholic. Um, So like we took religion classes, but the religion classes were like marriage and family and like um, you know, world religions. And like it was much less like Catholic than I think some people who went to Catholic school experienced. So I know a little bit about religions, but I am not religious. And I didn't really, we didn't grow up going to church at all. We would go to temple on the high holy days, very loose relationship to religion, still have a very loose relationship to religion, culturally related to the Jews, culturally, you know, like being part of that community. But as far as like, going to church couldn't be me right i mean you so is there is there part of you that wishes that you would or i don't know is there no so the so i've been thinking a lot about this actually so this piece was interesting to me but um and i i think this is probably true in islam is like the as which is different than in christianity but it's true for judaism as well that the text that we use um you know, for the Sabbath or for Yom Kippur or whatever is the same text all over the world. Mm-hmm. So everyone says the same prayers. And for me, like if you go to church for Easter, who knows what your fucking pastor is going to be reading? He could be reading anything from the Bible. He'd be talking about anything. But if you go to Passover, you know, you're going to hit the same exact words. And to me, there's something very powerful about that, but also freeing that you don't have to be part of a church or a temple or a mosque or whatever to do that. You can just go to the text directly. And so I've been really, as I get older, as I've had children, like wanting you to don't go back have to children. Oh my god, you look like a baby. I what do. the hell? Both <laughs> of you are making me feel. Thank you. What the? What the? I'm so 
sorry. I'm leaving the podcast I'm now. Not I can't you look I'm like probably older well. than you. No. She's got the filter on. No, she has I just, no I, filter, but like she said children plural. I have, good light. I have morning light. I have, I have twins, so one pregnancy. So it, it's not like I've had years and years of childbearing. I had one one and done. <laughs> but anyways, the, the point is sort of like there is something comforting about knowing that millions of people are sharing in the same yeah, textual, right, yeah. like, you know, like that they're like that you could go anywhere in the world and walk into any temple in the world and you could say the prayer and everyone is saying it with you. I mean, you. that's and what's like, comforting me, that's about really McDonald's. You, you remind exactly. me of uh, Patrice O'Neill, the late Patrice O'Neill's joke about this, where it was like, I don't want to go to hell for believing in the wrong religion. <laughs> you know, I don't want to be like yeah. praying to one God and then like, it's the wrong God. I could have been sleeping with prostitutes and shooting people. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I so, think that like church provides like a moral right. or like religion provides some sort of moral compass, though. I don't know. I don't know. For me, that if I there was no like religion, I'd be so fucked up. Like I already am not. Do you think? Yeah, I, I love that there is this kind of faith or, you know, guidelines, whatever you want to call it, because like I think if there wasn't like I don't know man if if I didn't have if you didn't have like a, something to tell you it's really bad to whatever that insert fill in the gap then yeah it would just be difficult to not do stuff um so yeah I really love it um I think Negin will know as well that like women uh don't have to go to the mosque so uh we obviously went to learn like Arabic and read the Quran when we're young but it's kind of flexible for women like men have to pray in a mosque five times a day I love mosques I find that they're very peaceful but um I I don't have one local to me necessarily but I did have one um local when I was growing up and um I think for I think there's something really good about the, the thing with Islam is that because we're not really we don't worship like statues or idols and stuff like it makes your faith like in, strong um, because you kind of have to like your prayers. Um, I don't know. They kind of you you really stick on the prayer rather than like, um, you know, other faiths. Sometimes they kind of have these symbols um, and that's a, you have. I, I feel like we have a strong connection, basically. Um, and so. Yeah, I think it's uh, well, what are the reasons that people have stopped going in America? Well, so in the, the piece, the writer gives some obvious reasons for de-churching, which is what they call de-churching, like corruption and abuse scandals. But the main one that the that the writer posits is um, and I'm quoting from the from the piece here, contemporary America simply isn't set up to promote mutuality, care or common life. Rather, it's designed to maximize individual accomplishments as defined by professional and financial success. Such a system leaves precious little time or energy for forms of community that don't contribute to one's own professional life or as one ages the professional prospects of one's children which really resonated with me literally that people are just too fucking busy with the Entire. with I the think main it's values is a value thing i think busy yeah, is it's a capitalism thing. yeah exactly because i think with i've really recently realized that there's enough hours in the day like if you want to if you have time for your nails to get done if you have time to do shopping whatever right so you can make time i think it's like the the thing that you said at the beginning of that uh uh recap of the piece which is that it's just, it's just we just don't like prioritize it, which I think is an internal thing that like, I think we we should we could work on better. But I think, you know, we're being pushed in other directions, and so kind of. Uh, I do feel. I mean, there. I definitely feel like so. It's the 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 kind of like capitalist imperative to like work really hard and put in really long hours that leaves people really tired when they come home. They're in these structures where they don't have, they're not living communally with uh, other family members. There's not enough people to take care of the kids. You're a constant battle for childcare. And in that setup, you're too tired to then on top of it, go to church. I mean, I feel like that, that kind of explanation makes a lot of sense to me. What I do feel like is also happening is because of this now void um, where where it's sort of, you know, most people don't go to church. Um, there is this, I feel like, I, a, a sense that I've gotten from people that there is an appetite for this kind of community building and for the public service acts that church encourages. And that I feel like is missing. And the example I'll give is I'm 
you know, one of the, I've mentioned it on the show before, but I'm one of the founding members of the Friends of Tompkins Square Park. Not to brag, we're an organization with no money, um, but lots of gardening <laughs> shovels. And, you know, we try and, and, and take care of this, uh, improve this park at, when we can. And um, every week, we w- many of the weekends of the summer, we have met and I go when, I, when I'm um, able to. Um, and there's just this like de- uh, amazing core, like handful of people that go, every week and then also every week you know we post our events on eventbrite or whatever and then the parks department website and all that stuff there'll be just like 20 random people that come there half of them are from the neighborhood the other half are just like from random places in new york city there'll be there'll be people that are traveling to new york and want to get in some service time and they'll just be like here on a trip and they'll come and do some gardening right i feel like and and this to me is like really like people need to have public service in their life and they need more structure to be able to do that and that's something that church was doing and providing and and, and it's not doing that anymore I think that there's two things in what you're talking about. One is that there's also been a huge loss of like the third space Mm -hmm. that like in general. What do you mean by the third space? So like the first space is your home. The second space is like where you work, where you go to work. And the third space are the other spaces that you might go to. Someone's bedroom? If you're lucky. That would be the first space. That's why I said, what's Um, the third space? (laughs) The third space, it's just like, it's a term that you, so it could be the, it could be your community garden. It could be a bar. um, the church, it could be a bar, it could be the library, it could be a bookstore, but especially because of the pandemic, there's been this loss of third space community and people are being more and more isolated. And so I think part of what you're speaking to, Nagin, is that people also just like want to have a communal space yep. to be in regardless. But I think the thing that the I wish the piece talked about more is I think another reason people have turned away from the church and organized religion is because of not just the scandals, but also sort of the like bigotry and judgment that is sometimes found in organized religion. And I think a lot of people realize like I might have a gay child or I might have, you know, a child who has quote unquote sinned. And like, it's too hard to be in a in community with people who don't understand or won't understand, or the rules are as such that women can't be priests or the rules are as such that like certain people aren't welcome here. And I think that that's also really challenging is like, do you want to make time for, for organizations that have that built into them? And does that feel like the best use of your time and supporting of your family and your worldview? And I think we also have like this inability to, as Americans, to talk critically about issues and to really like dig into things and and find the nuance. And the reason I'm this is coming to me is I read a book this year called um, Hijab Butch Blues by a queer, uh, non-binary Muslim woman who is an immigrant to America. And she the book is fantastic. And she digs into different um, stories from the Quran and talks about her own life and her own experiences. And it's this really critical, nuanced conversation about, you know, Jonah and the whale or or um, Ishmael or whoever. And it's what I loved about the book and what I wish we had more is that Lamia H., the author, they dig in and say, you know, maybe there was this thing, this queering in the Quran, and maybe I wish we could talk about it this way. And this translation of the text makes it sound like this. And there is space for me in this community. And I wish that more organized religion was open to that because I think that would move us forward as the rest of America tries to move forward having these conversations and grappling with these texts and and with these rules. I think it's about if you have a faith, then you kind of, you can't pick and choose, you know what I mean? Like, I understand your point about it being um, inclusive, I suppose is the word. But I think... um, yeah, if you believe in the faith, then there's certain things that you just kind of have to conform to or or accept. And and yeah, that's part of the kind of the thing. Whereas, well, right, and I think that that's why people aren't wanting to stay because they don't they want don't want to do the conforming. Who right. they but are, I think if you, they'd rather but deal then, and talk about. Yeah, it. but it's I I feel like conversations are definitely happening more and I I think that there's more of a revival in terms of like definitely what I'm seeing online. There's a lot more open conversation about 
God's um, kind of remembering God. And I think going back to Nagin's point about how busy we are and um, in Islam, there's this beautiful kind of remember um, reminder that like if you put God first, God will put you first type of thing. So if you make time for God um, and the things that you're supposed to be doing as like um, a Muslim, then like all of your worldly affairs will kind of Uh, fall into place you don't have to try so hard so I think it's a matter of faith um, and if you put that effort into th those kind of yeah if you put your faith in God basically that those things will come into place that because we do often pray to God for what we want like to get what we want where it's like a lot of the things that I've achieved I don't feel like I've achieved them I feel like it's a blessing from God and so um It's just nice that it can be a little bit more mainstream because I feel like religion, unfortunately, has um, felt like it's been a bit demonized for some time now. And I understand what you're saying about people um, trying to, I don't know, accept or, or, yeah, kind of just embrace different kind of, I don't know, people or different faiths or whatever it is, like just embrace others Um But at the same time, yeah, it just feels like it's had such a bad rep. And I think COVID and um, like, you know, so many different things after that highlighted its importance and place. But it just feels like it's been it was been kind of popular because that's another thing that kind of like off your point is that we just don't seem to talk about the problems where it comes to religion. It just feels like, okay, we'll, we'll just blame it, blame it for the wars, blame it for this, blame it. But, but actually it's people at the end of the day, like your, your point about um, some of the people um being quite judgmental or whatever it's not necessarily the faith it's the people so that's going to be whether you have a faith or you don't have a faith like people are always going to be people and so it's about us coming together um however we can try and do that it's interesting i mean it, it's true that um you know the the piece points out that participation in a religious community basically correlates with better health outcomes, longer life, higher financial generosity, and more stable families. So there's a lot going for these communities actually surviving and thriving. <laughs> like it would be probably a net good. Um, but I, but also there is this like shift in society and where some of the details in, of how Um, how something gets practiced end up being really important to Tracy's point um, on 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 kind of churches figuring out how they can be more inclusive. Um, there was an interesting thing that he just referenced in the piece really quickly. It was a kibbutz style Christian church where they live communally and share money. And it's funny because I clicked on the website of this church because I was just so curious about it. Um, and it was like, I, I mean, who knows, right? Because this is their PR like website. But it was all this like just beautiful families, diverse families like playing in like you know, fields. Um, and, 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 but I also did, I also was just like, well, that's something people need is literally everyone living together. So there's childcare. So it's also like, it can the church offer something that is useful in the modern context? Um, and you look at like an example like that and you're like, well, that actually seems like it's useful in the modern context. You know what I mean? Um, because sometimes just, just, studying the text is not gonna is not gonna change the equation for like how difficult it is for you to figure out uh, w competing children's schedules throughout the week or whatever you know what I mean the things that kind of make parents insane and then too tired to go to a church folks there's so much we could say about this and we don't have time we have to move on but I am so curious from listeners you got Four religions from three people. On the math doesn't work out, but we made it happen. Um, and uh, so, so tell us what you think, um, and um, what you know, what your thoughts are on on this topic. And do you have any uh, hot takes on why uh, there's so much decline? All right, let us move into topic number three. Time Magazine issued their 100 best films of the past 10 decades, and I thought we would talk about it. There's some obvious ones, like Gone with the Wind is still on the list. And in fact, um, I have a hard time knowing what makes sense from the 20s to the 50s. Um, <laughs> some like it hot's on there, a comedy. I always think there's not enough comedy on these lists. Uh, Vertigo is on there, Bonnie and Clyde. Um, 
And it's funny because if you look at it, the leading men in the posters don't have muscles. <laughs> I don't know if you, I don't know if either of you noticed this. Oh, there's but, no Dwayne Johnson movies on there. No, there's like no. Well, I mean, in the later, no, I actually don't think there is. But um, <laughs> but but just the men that are in, there's like a couple of shirtless dudes in the posters from you know the 20s through the 70s. Marlon Brando on the waterfront have. looks pretty um, bulky. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But maybe yeah. he's the only one. Not, yeah, but there was like, I can't remember who else. Oh, yeah, there was a, there was a shirtless poster from the movie Breathless, which is like a Jean-Luc Godard film from 1960. And the lead is just, he just looks like a skinny guy, but he's supposed to be, you know, this like sexy uh, lead. Um, we, we can get into some specifics, but is there anything that jumped out at you, Tracy, that you felt like, uh, was missing or that you wish you had seen or something about this yeah, list that struck you? I was thinking that there might be some musicals on here, like Sound of Music or Singing in the Rain. Like those are iconic, yeah. fantastic oh, yeah, so Those films. aren't on the, on the list. I, I thought for sure we would get, or maybe Oklahoma. I don't know. I just thought for sure we would get a, a classic West Side movie Story. Yeah. West Side Story. Yeah, they're just not here, which is, I, I'm a musical theater lover, so that's a bit of a bummer. And I think the first movie that's like by or like centers a black person is in 1992. I think Malcolm X is the first time we see yeah. like a black lead show up in any of these. So that always, of course, is going to catch my eye. Uh, but I also thought in terms of Malcolm X, I thought that was like, I wouldn't choose that from Spike Lee's oeuvre. You know what I mean? What would you do? Do the right thing? <sighs> Jungle, Jungle Fever. Yeah. I don't know. Good. I, uh, Jungle I think Fever. Malcolm X is like the seminal. So so, so basically I mean, what we're it, saying yeah. is the only movies on there with black actors or black um, kind of representation is about like racism and adversity. And I think that's a big problem. Well, it's also I mean, that's a problem in cinema, period. I mean, the but it's also like allowed to show we're up. looking at stuff in, you know, we're looking at stuff in the 90s. This is like where there was there's like the kind of, you know, black exploitation era of filmmaking. But in yeah. then, you know, I feel like just being a black filmmaker in the 90s already was so unusual that there were like, you know, I really like there will be blood. And I, I'm shocked that that's not on there. Yeah. I needed there therapy will... after watching that movie. <laughs> um, I, well, and here's another one that I thought was weird. I thought it was weird that Jackie Brown was on there. I thought so Instead too. of Pulp Fiction. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, like, he's if got we're two, about Quentin he's got Tarantino. Yeah. I thought, I also thought it was weird that. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was on and, and not... Inglorious uh, Bastards. Bastards. Yes. Or Django. I think Django's oh, like yeah, a yeah. fantastic film. I know that's controversial, but I love Django. Yeah, I, I, had, a, um, I had a hard time. Um, <laughs> I know, I know. A I lot know, of people I know, are. I know, yeah. I know. But, uh, but Inglorious Bastards is one of those movies that just sort of like took yeah. the world by storm in a way that I felt like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood just like, I don't know. It, I, I, I just didn't yeah. get it. Wait, I have one specific thing that made me rage about okay. this list. And this is a very specific to me okay. thing, but the world needs to know. As you know, I have very specific yeah, rage points. But Little Women, Greta Gerwig's Little yeah. Women, is nowhere fucking near the 1992 version with Winona Ryder. Okay? <gasps> I don't care. I, this is a travesty wow. of film cinema. If you're going to put Little Women on, and I don't necessarily think that either of them is the best film of like the Like maybe that neither of them should be on? <laughs> yes. But like, you're not going to disrespect Claire Danes like this. Okay? You're not going to disrespect, <laughs> disrespect Kirsten Dunst and Susan Sarandon. I'm sorry. <gasps> that Florence movie Pugh, was stacked. Training Day. But Training Day should have been on there. Oh yeah, training. Training day is, day is a great film. Yeah, training day is not on here. Very scary. Um, no, but the, but your Little Women take is interesting because I think that the Greta Gerwig version is largely considered the better version. I think just like by film critics, I don't know. I might be. Oh uh, yeah, there's no. I think that um, Greta. Where's the Godfather in all of this and all the so, Pacino movies? So in so in the seventy for the seventies they break it down by decade. Um, 
it's it's Godfather Two. Oh, it's Godfather One is so Godfather. much better. So I think that's a bit. Uh, that's I, I think there's debate around that, right? Like some oh. people, some people say it's one of those rare movies where the the sequel is better than the original. I want to say. I don't see very much Sidney Lumet up in this piece, and I thought the ne- network should have been on the list. Um, mm. There's never enough and comedies. I can't There's never Taxi enough Driver. comedies. I mean, why? There's Taxi never Driver? enough comedies. Well, Taxi Driver is kind of always on the list. That one, I, I wasn't surprised. I, I, I also, I think with list is Woody Allen on here. Oh, was he removed? For, polit- for for reasons of cancellation. I mean, I, I personally think that Woody Allen movies are bad. And I know, I think it's just like, you know, when you enter the world, your perspective is your perspective. Steven's but like, go. there's nothing there for me. Like, I, like Annie Hall does nothing for, like those movies that people right, love. That people I think you have to be like time. a certain yeah. kind of person yeah. who, you know, like, it's just, I don't, I don't get the Woody Allen I thing, but it is Woody interesting. Al- I mean, I've never, I also thought, I always thought maybe I didn't totally, totally get it because I'm from the West Coast. Yeah, that's me too. And there's like too. something just, that's just very Northeast America about it. Um, yeah. In the same way that like, you know, I totally have enjoyed Seinfeld, but I wasn't an obsessive in the way that mm. I feel like people who grew up in the Northeast are like obsessive about Seinfeld. Um, mm-hmm. That said, again, I'll take that gig if if ever <laughs> anyone Sometimes needs me. Sometimes the good me. movies are the really bad movies. So I can't believe there's no Steven Seagal movies on here because there's some really <laughs> amazing. Right. So my question to both of you in terms of like general list making is, would you rather see movies that really reflect the time because it's like Star Wars wasn't on here but how what an incredibly huge impact Star Wars had on the entire film landscape was in fact I think and I'm saying this out of my ass here I'd say one of the first films that established the world of sequels is that true I don't even know but like I I would argue that it's one of the important and impactful yeah but those are different this is best I personally right. have never seen a Star Wars. Thank oh you very much. Oh my and god! I'm like you. I'm like you. I'm not a big thing on at all. I'm so glad you said that, Tracy. I, I didn't I've know where to look. I've seen them. I have nothing to say about them, but I understand their impact. I, I, but impact and best are different. That's I think true. I think these lists are, 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 you know, it's almost like the Oscars. You know, it's kind of like representing. It's not representational at all. It's kind of very right. uh, elitist. If you look at like the yeah, like chart, Marie Antoinette. If you look yeah, at the, if weird. you look at the, if you look at the chart before like what if maybe before the eighties, like it's all. I don't think there's any representation at all. It depends because obviously everybody's uh, experience of that decade or movie would be different to them. So it's probably hard to find a list that is not subjective. Although I would say right, right. I, I would say They're just in terms of like, you know, represent. Obviously, there's not going to be like a Muslim filmmaker for the 80s or something. You know what I mean? They'd be, oh, yeah, of course. Like, that's just, like, not going to happen in, in in the list that's also very, like, America-centric. Um, there's a bunch of French films on here. But uh, I would say, you know, for me, an 80s list isn't complete unless there's one of those 80s rom-coms on teen rom-coms mm-hmm. like you're say Fast anything you're pretty in pink breakfast club and um, your breakfast club you know what i mean john, <laughs> john hughes movies like i felt a, a a deep like void not seeing those movies to something yeah. it, it's like you can also pick a movie from that genre and be like this was the best of that genre like you don't have to i think right. part of this is like you know, I don't I don't love it when like critics will just be like, just completely not look at a genre. You know what I mean? Well, I think I think the thing about a lot of these lists and I won't give another book recommendation, but I could um, <laughs> is that they're made who who makes the lists. Right. And not just who makes a list today, but who has canonically been making who's been making the canon over decades and decades. Maybe now the room at time is more diverse than it was right. 20 years ago. But we've already all been told that. E.T. is one of the greatest movies or that The Godfather is one of the greatest movies or that On the Waterfront is one of the greatest movies. And then when we were told that information, it was by straight white dudes. And so that gets put in your head. And it's like even me, even both of us being like we've never seen Star Wars. It's like, oh, there's a little bit of like shame or embarrassment. But why? Because some white guys love that movie in the 70s. Like, I don't fucking care. Why am I responsible to that? And so these lists are always going to be subjective. And if I got to make the list, 
Uh, I think Little Women 92 would be on there, but I also think <laughs> another classic film from 92 would be on there and it's called A League of Their Own. But there's mm-hmm. not women in the room mm-hmm. to tell you that oh, like that, that movie is worthy enough or there's not enough black people in the room to tell you that Spike Lee should have three movies on there. Right. Like, you know, or that or that it doesn't Yeah, like don't make be me choose between Malcolm be X and do the right thing. Right, exactly. And so I think like we're the canon of film has already been established for us for so long that like a list like this, there's things that people feel like have well, to be I, on I think, I, I think I, I definitely see what you're saying, but I also think like if you're, um, if you're like a minority, if you're a woman or whatever, you grew up in the 80s. And I have to be honest, I do think E.T. was one of the best movies of the 80s. Like I, do, you know, if, even if my, right. like from... No, you're allowed to like a movie that other people like, but I'm saying like these these lists are made right. and they're told to us. So when you see a movie like E.T., you already know that that movie is like people love E.T. So I'm going to see I, like you even even me like going back and like, OK, I eventually need to watch Star Wars. Why? Why do I need to watch it? Because someone else said that it's one of the greatest movies, right? Even if I like it, I'm only seeing it because someone else told me it's one of the best. I mean, that's literally why I saw it, just because I wanted to be, I just wanted to know what the references were. I just needed to like know, you know what I mean? I don't. And whether or not you like it or not, it's not whether or not the movie is good or not. My point is more like these lists have been made for us for so long that when a one comes out in 2023, there's expectations that you're going to see certain people or certain things on the list, regardless of if it was actually the best movie of the year right. or movies of the year. Um, any final thoughts on this this kind of list making, Sadia? It's just annoying that the only the only stories they like to see from non-white people are about race. Like it's really, it's not just annoying, like that's a, obviously an understatement, but it's like, yeah, I think it's um, following on Tracy's point is that it uh, it embeds perception. So people watching those movies will only see us from a particular lens because mm-hmm. they're not allowed to, or they haven't been able to see things from like, they can't laugh at themselves. There's no comedy or they can't, mm-hmm. you know, they can't just celebrate us as rounded people. It's always got to be in a struggle or so. Yeah. That's really disappointing to be honest with you in 2023. And I think that I don't know that much has changed. Like, I, 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 yeah. I, I, yes, Tracy's right in terms of the diversity seems to be a little bit more of a buzzword or more prominent. But if it's, I don't know if I believe that there's a substantial change at all. Um, like, I think part huh? of the problem is like we can't go Except back. Where's Parasite? Like, where are the Asian filmmakers? But, oh, actually, <laughs> that was a problematic sure. movie, though, wasn't it? Let's be honest. Parasite? But anyway. <laughs> Yeah. Parasite was 2019 because it, it won though? the Oscar yeah. right before oh, yeah. the they, they, I mean, it was they the did, last. They did what they had to do from the race perspective, right? They played the card. And I, I like the movie. I just mean like there's so many Korean filmmakers who are making fantastic films and they're not on these lists either. Like it's just, it's so white centric across the board. And I agree with your point. But I like, also every... think we can't look, at, we can't necessarily go back in time and add more but this is films that don't that don't no. exist yeah. in the actual uh right but 2019 malcolm x like there's only those stories they want to see from particular right. people like right in 2000 there were black and asian and and latino filmmakers and they're just they don't they're not reflecting on with, this a, with Asians, like little women like i'm sorry movies. it's not a great they film. like uh was it jumping tiger they like the animal flicks with crouching, asian oh, crouching yeah tiger, they like the yeah. animals yeah. was that other one well it was um, not that one's not on here but yeah millionaire they like the poverty right, stories with the Asians. They i loved- mean we the, selma I, i'll say selma in moonlight um, are your Moonlight is fantastic. Selma is a whack, and movie. I am not, I'm not your, your Negro. Negro is great, so three, but that's a documentary. Th- okay, well, I mean, I think that that to me that still counts as a yeah. film. But no, but it's not. But it's not a three uh, of like the ten story. movies are actually from uh, or about. Um, you know, I do want to like give credit or credit. It's not like there's none on here. You know but what I mean? No, it's not a good that movie. there's not. Well, that's a racism movie. I hate it. Oh, yeah. It's racism. Oh, you were going to say, I'm racist. <laughs> Look, the lights went no, out. No, no, no. <laughs> I hate it, Crash. But but I, I think, like, I think the idea that it only, like, my point is not just that there's, like, not enough representation, but also, like, black-white representation is sort of what I'm getting at. Like, where are the Asian stories? Where are the right, Latino right. stories? Right, right. Like, the everything Where are the else. Muslim stories? Yeah, I mean, Yeah, no. like, it's like... All, 
it's not even until two th- the 2010s that we see right. there's more a, black there's films. And then they're all a about one like, and a two, um, which is a movie I'm not familiar with. There's, you know, In the Mood for Love, which is a, a movie. That, oh, The Circle. Okay. The Circle um, is a, is a, that comes out of the Middle East. Uh, so there are, that's an Iranian film, by the way, not to brag, <laughs> but the uh, Iranians made it on the list. Um, you know, shout out Jafar Panahi. Um, but yeah, so I mean, like, I, I think, again, I'm not trying to like say this list is awesome because I just... I think it should have more John Hughes on it. Just like I think Anchor, I think Anchorman should be on this list. You know what I mean? All of the John Handy movies, I really liked. Yeah, I mean, completely. Like, there's, I don't see anything that was like Bill Murray was in. I loved him. Home Alone was pretty good. But like, but but I think I do. They did make an effort to put some movies from other countries outside of France. Um, and because <laughs> France has been in the game since the beginning, but it also yeah. has to do with literally the you know in the early days that was that production like in the power of production and sure. the cost of production and the technology of production had not reached every country. Like Iran didn't have like these incredible this you know this incredible canon of film until later. You know, so that's why France yeah. is. Prince got in on it real early, but it's just not something that, you know. Also, there's no like Bollywood in oh, that this, sucks which anyway. is, I mean, I, it does it. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Andrew no points out there's no animation. That's actually wild. I hadn't noticed that. Next to the no, no musicals, now we're really like. Now I now just I'm, no I'm going to go no into fun. conspiracy maybe, maybe. theory land. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's it's a list of no I fun. Think, it's like, hey, anyway, have no fun no with fun. the only way the list system what, can what? work is if everybody gets a turn, right? Because here we're just listening to one take, and if it's not going to be every yeah. person, but like every whatever, every state, every whatever. I don't know how you could delineate it, but like this is just one person's take. And that is a fantastic way to end because I would love for the people of Faith the Nation to send me their list. It doesn't have to be a hundred, but give me what is what would be on your list, um, separated by decades. I actually just think that the twenties through the fifties are just it was film was so such a baby um, that it's it's really hard to do stuff from those eras because you can't even see all the silent films and you don't know and it's weird um but uh but send me your your recommendations also i would love to know what's on other people's i have some some films in my canon you know that are not on other people's canon and uh and you know i'm curious to know what those are so people of faith the nation hit me up and that my friends is the end of the show uh, what a delightful conversation. What a broad range of ideas. Um, I'm so happy I got to talk to you guys about these these topics. And I would love for the people of Fake Nation to be able to follow you and all the wonderful things that you do. Sadia Azmat, where do they do that? Um, uh, please follow me on Instagram. I'm at Sadia underscore Azmat. And also I have a website, SadiaAzmat.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, but it's so miserable these days. I don't really post that much. Um, and it seems to be ruined as well since I've been away. So, I mean, that's not my fault. But yeah, uh, you can buy my book, Sex Bomb in America. Please support. It's such a cool book. Um, so basically I talk about, uh, obviously for so long, Muslim women have been only portrayed as repressed or very one-dimensionally so I, I, I share it's my memoir about how I got into stand-up comedy and why sex is a bomb sometimes what a sex mm-hmm. bomb is how I you be a sex that. bomb I cannot wait to read this book that's so exciting sounds so good um and I, and and also particularly um interesting to me for obvious reasons <laughs> um but Tracy uh where do they follow you you can follow me at at the stacks pod on Instagram, threads, TikTok. Threads. Nice. Yeah, I, you know, I made the I made the transfer. Nice. Uh, I am on Twitter, but I don't really post much either over there. <laughs> um also I've I've always wanted to do this, Nadine, yeah. so I hope you'll allow Please. it. 
I'm on tour right now. Like you, usually hey. when I come on, you're always telling people your tour dates. I'll be in Chicago, New York, DC, and LA over the next few months. So you can fo- you can find out more about that at thestackspodcast.com slash tour. I'm going to be joined by Samantha Irby, KSA Lehman, Jason Reynolds, and then I have an insane lineup here in LA. So um, yeah, come see me live talking about books and shit. Oh, that's so exciting. Is it going to, are you going to be yeah. live taping podcast episodes? While you're yes, at it, I'll be releasing those. Yeah, yep, yep, oh, yep. I'll be so releasing excited. those. We did our first tour in Oakland. First stop was in Oakland because I have small kids and I've got a crazy life. We're doing like one city a month, basically. Yeah. So I'll be Chicago in August, New York and DC back to back in September, and then back in LA in October. You guys, I mean, absolutely. You you've heard her on this Hi. show. Now you need to see her live. Hopefully, she's coming to a city near you. And I'm sorry, where do they find your tour dates? Thestackspodcast.com slash tour and then um wait sadia did you mention a website i just want to make sure um, that people sadia people yeah sadiaazmat.com i have a free guide on there um 10 things you wanted to ask about my hijab that you were too afraid so you can <laughs> sign up to that for free. um tremendous so folks and you know where to find me and all the things i do just a reminder that i'm going to be in um saint paul on august 18th. I'm going to be in Kansas City on August 19th. Both of those are doing the Way Way Don't Tell Me stand up tour. Um, so, Tracy, this is me doing the thing that you say that I always do. Um, I, so, I like it. I like it. So come, I can relate. So, come and see me um, in those cities. If you happen to be in town, it's going to be really fun. Some of your favorite weight waiters are going to be on the lineup, and you will definitely have a good time. And then I will also be in Chicago doing the regular Way Way Don't Tell Me on August uh, 24th. So, you should absolutely come out to see me there. Um, and, uh, well, you know, I'll probably be doing other things in other places in America (laughs) Um, uh, that I will tell you about later. But um, for now, just keep those in mind. And I would love to thank everyone who makes the show a possibility. That's our fantastic producer, Andrew McGuire, everyone at HeadGum who makes the show a possibility. Uh, Thank you so much to Gabby Alter, who wrote our theme music. And if you have any thoughts at all, you can email us at fakethenationpodcast at gmail.com. Ooh, we are going to be starting to turn our attentions to races to watch. Um, that's electoral Ooh. contests to watch um, for in the fall. So please um, email us at fictionpodcast at gmail.com with any of those. Uh, you've been also reaching out to me on, on the other uh, on Instagram and on the other places. Um, and sometimes it's easier if it's on email. So I encourage you to use <laughs> fake the nation podcast at gmail.com. And otherwise, you guys are the best. And we'll be back in your earballs next week. That was a HeadGum Podcast.